uh, you know, I've struggled with uh, suicidal ideation. I've been in the emergency room um, more times than I can count. Um, I've been brought involuntarily uh, for suicidal ideation. I've sat in, you know, the suicide watch rooms. Um, it's been, it's, my life has been quite challenging, we'll say. Hi. I'm Lance, and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. In today's episode, we get to know Brittany, who's a passionate mental health advocate and writer with mental health challenges, including borderline personality disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. In this first part of our two-part conversation with Brittany, she opens up about living with these disorders and the impact they've had on her personal life. She also opens up about some of the specific challenges and experiences she's had with these disorders, and notably when she in 2019 decided to voluntarily admit herself to seek treatment and recovery, and since then has gone on to be a fierce mental health advocate. She also leaves us with some thoughts on ways that we can best advocate for the youth in our lives. We know these conversations are difficult to have, and we thank Brittany so much for putting her advocacy in action and opening up and sharing her life experiences with us today. All right, let's dive in. Uh, my name is Brittany Eldridge, and I reside in New Hampshire. Um, I consider myself a mental health survivor um, as I've kind of battled my own demons, as we'll call it. Um, and it's been quite a challenging road uh, to, you know, not only receive the diagnoses of mental illness, but also to kind of work through it and also function in society. Um, so along the challenging road um, that's, you know, stemmed all the way from childhood to now, I've kind of, um, you know, delved into my creative side recently and uh, was able to kind of expand upon writing um, and more so expressive um, art, I should say. And um, I guess, you know, my mission uh, is to share my story and sometimes, you know, they say not to like overshare, but I feel as though um, it gives people an idea of what someone, you know, who has a diagnosis, uh, what, what they're going through and where it comes from and uh, and kind of a little bit of hope uh, to maybe hold on. So I've kind of, um, that's what I've been doing. I've been um, reaching out to libraries, getting my books in libraries. Uh, getting my books in like little um, indie art stores. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, what I'm doing now. I want to just kind of touch upon something recently that I that I did. Um, I did this integrative processing therapy just randomly one day. Um, a woman, Monica Fowler, has her own business and had given me um, a free session to uh, basically, you know, experiment in uh, so when she was doing the therapy, basically, uh, it's like this thing she does with her fingers and she does this motion and basically it's, uh, energy and it's, it's a lot, it's a more in-depth process. I'm not sure I could really explain it. Um, it's on our website, but she was able to, or her fingers rather pulled apart at the age of six years old. So I think of myself at the age of six years old and I can remember myself sitting on my father's uh, porch steps. I had visitation with him on the weekends. And I can remember sitting there one day begging my dad that he bring me home because I knew that my mom was going to, my, I, I just had this fear rather that, you know, my mom was, was going to be dead um, because she 
married a very abusive man. And so at the age of six years old, probably when I should have been worrying about, you know, play and creative, creativeness and uh, socializing with friends and things like that and learning, um, I was more geared towards adult problems. So a lot of chaos in the house. Um, a lot of fear was instilled in me. Um, you know, I watched my mom uh, basically struggle through her own traumas, her unhealed uh, childhood wounds. And basically because of her choices and what she was dealing with, she didn't always choose um, healthy relationships. So I was, uh, you know, seeing all of that going on. Uh, at the age of six also, um, I experienced abandonment from my father. Uh, he walked out of my life uh, for his own reasons with mental health, um, drugs, alcohol, and also, um, you know, there was some things going on in the family as well that made it really uh, complicated. So not only was I, uh, you know, a young child seeing chaos in my home with my mother's relationships, I also experienced um, you know, my dad abandoning me. Uh, so I went through all these developmental uh, periods of my life um, with some of my, I guess, emotional needs not met. Um, so then I went into middle school, uh, so middle school rather, and um, struggled with an eating disorder. Uh, so I struggled with anorexia and was under doctor's care for that. So a little bit further, um, I, you know, going through high school, I took college prep classes. I took a cosmetology course. Um, I, you know, w I did very well in school. I don't know how. I did very well in school. Um, I had troubles with being on time. Um, you know, there were times when my mom was going to threaten the truancy officer on me because I had a really hard time. Um, and at that time, I didn't really know what I was battling. I didn't really know I had mental illness. Um, the only thing I knew about mental illness was my mom mentioning of my dad um, at that time. And so amongst going to high school, I also worked full time. So I was very, very busy. I basically would go to school, come home, go to work, stay up after work till about two in the morning doing schoolwork and repeat it for the next five days. My mom ended up being a single mom afterwards and had two more children. Um, so I kind of took the role of um, having to pay for my own things like my car and all that stuff. So I basically, um, you know, had to take re like responsibilities, um, kind of at a young age. So, so then, uh, after that I, I graduated, um, I had been in a four year relationship as well. Um, kind of around the time I graduated high school and, uh, two months after I graduated high school, I was working one night. And um, I got a phone call that my high school boyfriend died in a car crash. So that was my first experience with um, like a tragic loss and grief and all of that. Um, so that was very hard. Uh, and then, of course, um, I get married and, uh, you know, I struggled with borderline personality disorder, which I was diagnosed at the age of 29. Um, I also struggled with major depression, OCD, PTSD, agoraphobia, and all of that. And, uh, you know, it's, it was it kind of, I would say, uh, ruined my relationship. And I think that, you know, I, I feel that two people who come together in a relationship, they kind of bring their own inequities. And so I'm working through that part as far as the blame. But, um, yeah, it's been challenging with mental health. Uh, and, you know, it's 
the last three years now, I should say, I've kind of been in an awakening process um, of kind of delving into childhood, delving into uh, the effects of uh, fa learned family behavior. Um, and it's been quite challenging. Uh, it really, really has been quite challenging. Um, and, and in 2019, also, I voluntarily brought myself to the hospital uh, for mental health reasons. Uh, so I've been through it all, pretty much, I feel like. Uh, you know, I've struggled with uh, suicidal ideation. I've been in the emergency room um, more times than I can count. Um, I've been brought involuntarily uh, for suicidal ideation. I've sat in, you know, the suicide watch rooms. Um, it's been, it's my life has been quite challenging, we'll say. And, you know, a person, what I've learned with borderline personality disorder, they struggle with, you know, severe emptiness, uh, you know, struggle with um, kind of like an identity crisis. Uh, they also struggle with abandonment issues where they'll even go to the extreme measures of avoiding abandonment. Um, you know, so there's a lot, um, a lot going on with it. And, you know, recently I read a book um, about trauma. And what I've learned is that all these disorders that I have, really the main root of it is trauma. So that's kind of where I've where I'm going with that. So for me, OCD stemmed from when I was where after I worked as a housekeeper. Um, I noticed that I, it would magnify. So I think I already had some type of OCD. It's just I certain things in life can magnify those symptoms, I guess. So. I worked as a housekeeper and in a hospital, and I, I guess my brain kind of correlated some certain tra traumatic um, events that happened at the hospital that I worked at. I won't go into detail, but I saw some very hard things. And uh, so I developed this OCD with cleanliness and um, contamination, rather. Uh, and I would always have to Every day, I would have to clean my car with Lysol, Lysol wipes, spray Lysol. I'd have to clean my shoes, the inside, the outside. When I got home, I had to take my clothes like at the door and bring them to the washer so I wasn't like feeling like my clothes were like contaminating the house. Um, I had to put a pair of socks um, by the door, and I had to take my shoes off before I got into the door and put these clean socks. And it didn't matter if it was raining, snowing. Um, thundering. It didn't matter what weather. Uh, and also I got to the point where I'd have to wash my walls and because that's what I did at the hospital. So I felt like I had to do it at home. So I washed pretty much all the paint off my walls. Um, I wouldn't sit on people's furniture if I went to their house because I feel like I was getting contaminated. Um, I didn't let anybody go in my like I wouldn't let visitors come visit me at my house because I felt like after they left I had to do this whole like severe like in, like cleaning of my inside of my house because I felt like it was contaminated. Um, I wouldn't touch doorknobs. I'd have to use a paper towel. Um, so that's where like the OCD was. It was very uh, controlling. Um, I wouldn't let people in my vehicle because I felt too like they were bringing germs and it. They came in, I had to spend hours cleaning it. Um, so it was more of like cleaning contamination. It was just, um, I'm not so bad now. There are some rituals that I feel I still need to do to protect myself from germs. Um, and now it's progressed to um, existential crisis. So I've had a lot of um, 
thoughts about why do I exist? Why am I here? Why do we die? Where do we go when we die? Why do we talk like all these why, why, why existential questions? So I've struggled severely with that um, and more so recently. Um, and then one last thing about OCD, I've struggled with uh, religion, uh, OCD as well, because um, I feel as though, you know, I, I question my spirituality beliefs and all of that um, because I feel there's so much uh, information around us in the world. A lot of times, you know, I just questioning like religion and stuff. Um, and then for borderline personality disorder, I feel like it's pretty much ruined every relationship I've ever had because um, I have this fear that I'm being abandoned. And so when I feel like I'm being abandoned, my whole body goes into this fight to flight. And then, of course, my parasympathetic nervous system feels like it's under attack. And I feel like I can't deal with the heightened emotions that I'm experiencing. And I feel like until I get that um, person or place to soothe me, I feel like I can't calm the heightened emotions that are that I'm experiencing. Um, so also with borderline personality disorder, I'm, you know, I constantly feel like empty. Like I just feel like a bottomless pit. Um, I've also, because of borderline personality disorder, I've also struggled with um, derealization and dissociation, uh, which has been challenging. So nonetheless, because I've also got the OCD symptoms. So now I'm obsessing about, you know, the borderline personality disorder um, symptoms that I'm struggling with. So it's a, it's almost like a war inside my own self. And uh, it's really, really hard to experience joy and happiness because, you know, it's just, um, it's just, it's really hard and, and boundaries are really hard with me as well. Um, so that's kind of, kind of where I'm at with that. You know, I think of uh, recycled percussion. Um, they're, like a well, they're like a band that you know plays on recycled percussion, but they also have this mission to impact others' lives. So, for example, I watched this video that they recorded where um, there was a little boy that got made fun of. He was bullied, and recycled percussion went to the school and had a um, assembly and had the kid come up to the front. And while Justin Spencer, the owner of recycled percussion, was drumming he had the kid do a dance and then said look this this kid is amazing at how he dance he dances wonderful and then all the kids kind of just went they were stumped because this famous person chose that person they've been bullying all that time it showed value in that person that was being bullied and kind of i felt was an eye-opening experience for all those kids because they're like wait a minute i and and i just think that you know some some kids like you know or even the ones that are bullying are being bullied or maybe they're dealing with chaos at home i just think that there needs to be more like connectedness more awareness more i'm there for you you're there for me type of thing i've got you you've, you know you've got me um, that we're all in this together, that even if we've got the slightest difference, that it doesn't make us any less than who we are. And I just, um, you know, I just think, you know, too, 
having more in the schools, you know, not just about learning and studying about the earth rock or learning what adjective is. It's about your emotional health as well. And I think, you know, bringing that into the school, uh, you know, is important to also acknowledge um, that in schools uh, because it's, you know, when I was struggling with anorexia, I still went into school and learned about, you know, what the next topic in global studies was. And, you know, so it's like, I just, and there's a lot of, you know, body dysmorphic, body shaming and all of that. And it's just a lot of people are just feeling not accepted or understood or like they don't belong and because they have something wrong with them. And I think even the person with the most wrong with them still has something beautiful that they can share, a gift they can share with others. And they end up, you know, committing suicide, not even being able to share that gift with others in the world. So that's just what I think on that. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas. And you can always reach out at nostigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.